1: it gets lonely out there in the product business world, we fully believe
0: a business shouldn't be built alone. There's room at the top for all of us.
1: So let's get scrappy and creative together, Product Boss, to be profitable, make more sales, and grow your visibility. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey, friends, it's podcast recommendation time. This month, we're all about listening to Another Bite, hosted by John Dick, Jory Monroe, Leslie Green, and Arielle Boswell, which is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each week, they break down episodes of everyone's
0: favorite business television show, Shark Tank. And no kidding, this sounds like the most amazing podcast because they offer their own unique thoughts, spin off companies, critiques, and even talk with some of the folks who pitched the sharks and lived to tell the tale. I will tell you, Mina, this sounds like me just in general when I watch the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We really enjoyed one of their most recent episodes where they discuss Glow Recipe and how they have built a customer first community in the skincare industry through opening up that two-way communication channel between them and their customers, which as you know, for product-based business owners is key. Listen to another bite wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Product Boss Podcast. Today is a full circle moment. For Mina and I, this episode is so good. Gonna this is be... a big day. Imagine you're
1: Oprah, <laughs> everybody out there. Not that I'm Oprah, but like <laughs> you had a version of Oprah. This is yes. a big guest that has really impacted our journey and our lives and our partnership and so many different in ways. And, um, and I don't know, it's just really exciting. So this is the one to listen to, I feel like.
0: Yeah. So if you don't know who Amy Porterfield is yet, you will know today. Now, Amy has always come from this place of marketing. She has an amazing podcast called Marketing Made Easy. She's also on the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is where we are as well. And really when Mina and I started out our business, Amy was one of was the person we listened to. Um yeah for our version of our business, right, which is the podcast and and selling digital courses and all the things. But I think one of the things that you and I have always really related to is one, how vulnerable Amy is, how open she is to sharing a lot of different things. But she has this incredible way of time management, finding ease and creating business, telling us all the details like she shares so much. And now Mm -hmm. she's come out with this incredible book called Two Weeks Notice, Find the Courage to Quit Your Job, Make More Money work where you want and change the world.
1: Yeah, because we want to do giveaways for her book, Two Weeks Notice. And we're super excited because then all of you that are side hustlers, all of you that are, you know, thinking about leaving your nine to five, now you have a guidebook on how to really take the steps to do that in a cheerleading sort of way, a very encouraging way that you can do it. And I think that it really fits with um, what we want for all of you too, to to live your dream life and to do it on your own terms.
0: And why I love this book and bringing it to all of you is that so many of you have your business as a side hustle, right? You have a full-time job, you're committed somewhere else. And there's that fear. like You dream of one day being a full-time product boss, being the boss of your own business. But right now, you're still working for someone else. And it's really hard to plan and figure out how to how to get out of that. So while Amy you know, does teach about digital courses. There's so much you can take from this book because the first, you know, like 70%, I think she said of the book or a huge portion of the book is the mindset, the fear, all the feelings of not enoughness to leave your full-time job. So she really does a good job at that strategy, like helping us with the mindset and then a step-by-step process of how to set it up that we can give that two weeks notice.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think she said the first third. So the first third, the third is uh, is the mindset. And then she goes into strategy and then she goes into like the work that you're doing, right? Because the thing is that she knew that she didn't want to start with strategy because the mindset is so important, which is like listening to us. We say this all the time. You are the person that's going to stop you. And it's like a real gift when somebody says to you, you can do this. So this, you know, being able to read a tangible book and hear those words, I think can be so life-changing for all of you. And we're so excited to share Amy with all of you in this interview.
0: Yeah. And I think the one thing she says that you and I try and model, and I'd love to kind of set this up for all of you is that Amy has built a life she doesn't need a vacation from, and she's on a mission to help millions of others do the same. But she has built a life that she doesn't need a vacation from, with being an entrepreneur, with having her own business, and not working for someone else. So, Mina, let's jump into the episode.
2: Amy, welcome to the Product Boss Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, ladies. I'm delighted to be here. This you... is a
1: dream come I know. true.
2: That's a good thing.
0: You're so much a part of our story that it is bonkers that you're on the podcast with us and you're talking about this book that you were launching and we're just so excited for you to be here.
2: Well, yeah, it feels like a full circle moment. I'd love to see what you girls have been doing. And I remember a couple years ago, do you girls remember when you sent me a launch package? Yeah, that took me hours of work. (laughs) Okay. It looked like it took you hours of work. And I want you to know, we loved it. I had my whole team at my house. It was the biggest <laughs> launch I've ever done. So it must've been good luck. And it um, was so fun, the things you included in it. And we got it on the last day that we were all celebrating. It was so thoughtful. So first of all, again, thank that. you for that. But it was just such a cool thing.
1: Yeah. My background is, um, I used to scrapbook. Plus I was a graphic designer. So I, was, I made all those labels. I, you know... Uh, <laughs> it was, it cr- uh, Punched them all out with punches. Gathered all the little things. Jacqueline, I went over the whole plan. Like, it's going pre-launch? What would they need? Post-launch or launch? Oh post-launch? All these different things. And we we're like, you know, because I don't know if you remember, but we met you in person one time. Where were in California were we?
0: We, were we had at-
2: some mastermind. Yeah. Uh, yes. I and absolutely-
0: you were doing it during a launch, and you're like, I don't. I booked this before I planned this one out. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: I and that has
1: always left an impression on me because, you know, traveling um, to California, I am I live in Iowa. And then that was the first time that Jacqueline and I, we had always done our business, but more as like a friendship. It was really fun. There's not, not, you know, I mean, we just did what we did, you know, doing the podcast and stuff. And it was the first time that both of us thought, hey, we could really like Jacqueline got on the microphone and was like, I think that we could be a million dollar business. And so that whole time of being there with you and thinking bigger and being in that mastermind was kind of like the start of what I thought was like this bigger version of our story. And so it was just, you know, we thought for sure, because we actually joined DCA that night.
0: Literally, the night was closing. And yes. it might've been one of your first launches. And that was at that mastermind. People were like, well, you could do a course because we were just doing masterminds. Yes. And we're like, could we? And then you show up and they're yeah. <laughs> okay, And well, then I don't totally know if it worth it then.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> your team members were at your house, I believe. And it was like getting to the closing of that. It was like, oh my gosh, should we buy it? Shouldn't we buy it? Jacqueline was like, we should do it. And so it just changed our lives. And it was just such a you know core memory in my brain
2: well. I remember it vividly. So same with me. And it's so fun to be here years later with both of you and diving into all the things. So I love relationships like that.
0: Yes. And now you're an author, which I mean, so much sense. And I mean, we we listen to your podcast. So anyone that doesn't, we'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, but this this book you've written is just amazing. And it's called Two Weeks Notice, which it's so smart. Um, just so good. So my question to you, kind of to start off, is sort of you know a lot of times we work with a lot of product based business owners that there it's a side hustle, so their business is sometimes people consider it a hobby or a side hustle, and there's so much mindset stuff that goes into leaving their full time job. You know, when is it going to be the right time? Your history is that your last full time job you were working for Tony Robbins at a young age, so this was like an incredible full time job. Where did you get the like the guts? to say, you know what? I'm leaving this incredible business and going to go out on my own.
2: You know, I love the way you uh, set up this question because you're right. It was an incredible job. And I I didn't know at the time, but I had golden handcuffs where I wanted to leave, but it was too good to leave. Like I probably thought about it years before that. And I was with them for almost seven years. Hold on. I got to cough. <coughs> you got to love when you cough on someone else's podcast. So glamorous. <laughs> um, but I thought about it probably, but I... I could never leave this. I'm getting paid six figures. I get to travel the world. I get to work on the content that Tony does on stage at Unleash the Power Within and Date with Destiny. It was a good gig. However, I did travel a lot. I did work a lot of long hours. I was newly married, never saw my husband. And it was a stressful job. I mean, the way you see Tony on stage is the way he's all the time. He's an intense guy. He's got a mission. He's uh, he's building a, an empire. And so that energy is a lot. And so. I when I realized wait a second I think I want more freedom. I think I want to work when I want, how I want, where I want. When I when I finally started to realize that what I had to do and I look back at it now cuz I wrote about this in the book like why how did I get the courage to leave? I had to get very clear on what I wanted, like crystal clear. And I see entrepreneurs that are doing big things these days, and I can see they're on a mission where they know what to say yes to, and they know what to say no to because they're on that mission. And that's what happened for me the first time in my life. I was on a mission to make this work and find my freedom, to have a business and a life that I loved. And so it definitely, I left with courage. I didn't leave with confidence. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I could taste that freedom. I wanted it so bad.
1: I love that so much. And when we heard the name of your book, Two Weeks Notice, I mean, it's self-explanatory, right? Two Weeks Notice, we just thought, oh gosh, it's so brilliant. Did you always know you were going to write a book about this? And can you kind of talk about the book as well and kind of the background of that?
2: Yes. So I never ever thought I would write this kind of a book. I am best known for teaching people how to create digital courses and build email lists. But when I thought about, okay, I've been in this business for 14 years now, I feel like I have some things to share. What I kept coming back to is this woman in a nine to five job where she's sitting there and she doesn't even know that the life we live, what we get to do, even exist for her. Because when I was at Tony Robbins, it took one meeting with a bunch of online business owners for me to realize, what, what are you doing? How are you living? I didn't even know that was possible. And so I want to be the woman to say, this is possible. There's a whole other different kind of life you can live and let me show you how. I also know that women hit those glass ceilings and there's nothing you can do about it. There's this one woman who she's a teacher and her name is Tara. And she said, Amy, there was nothing I could do to make more money in my business. I had to start a side hustle or I would always make that much money in a small town in Minnesota as a a speech pathologist in a public school. Like she was not going to be able to bust through a glass ceiling. And so when I think of women like that, I think I've got to show them a different way. And so I looked back and I thought, well, where would I start? And I remembered driving away out of the San Diego offices thinking i have no idea what i'm doing i know my why and i'm i'm ready to take on this challenge but tomorrow morning when i wake up and sit at my kitchen table and start typing away at my laptop i i do not know what's going to happen And so I wrote the book as a guidebook because my specialty is marketing and business building. So the majority of the book is step by step by step, how to build the foundation of an online business. And I mean, we're starting with websites, content creation, making an offer, like everything you need to do to set a solid foundation. So I wrote the book that I didn't have when I was first starting out. Hmm. I love that so much.
1: We're so excited to buy a million copies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, don't promise a million yet Maybe <laughs> now I'm on air and it's like <laughs> I-, I will be sending a contract yes <laughs> um because it's so funny because when we first started and we get a lot of startup people and even you know there's this false belief that you know being in a job offers that security and it's kind of untrue and it feels risky to be an entrepreneur you know and um feels risky to be an entrepreneur but really you're betting on yourself. So, you know, what is that first step that you can give us of like if that person is it, it's like they don't know what they don't know, I feel in a lot of times, what would be that advice that you give um for the, someone who's thinking about perhaps adding a side hustle or or thinking about that that maybe they want to leave their 9 to 5.
2: So when you start to just first start thinking about it, I think the first question that comes up for most of us is what the heck would I do? What would I even create? What would I have in my business? And for a lot of women, cause I work primarily with women, uh, imposter syndrome like is there front and center. The minute you think like, what might I do on my own? You can't do that. You're, you're not cut out to be a, an entrepreneur. When I was first uh, decided I wanted to go out on my own, I didn't even use the word entrepreneur because that sounded too fancy and over the top. So I had to say business owner. And so when you start to think about going out on your own, the first thing is, what might you do? And I take my students through something called the sweet spot. And the sweet spot is just to start with your starter idea. Like, let's figure out, maybe it's a side hustle, what would that look like? And so I'm gonna walk you through it just really quickly, but I go into detail in my book, Two Weeks Notice. But here's what it is, it's four different quadrants. And the first quadrant is, what are you good at? Where have you gotten results? What is your knowledge, your know-how, your skill set? What do you do in your job that you could maybe move into a side hustle? And what about your personal life? There's lots of things we do in our personal lives that other people would love to know how we do it. So is there something there you might be able to pull from? You only need a 10% edge. You need to be just 10% ahead of those you serve so you could be like, come on, follow me. Let me show you the way. You don't need more certification, more education, just a 10% edge. So that's the first quadrant. The second is who do you want to serve? One of the easiest things to do is look at you maybe five, 10 years ago, and is maybe that the person you want to serve because you know exactly what they're thinking, feeling, doing in that moment. That's an easy way to, to kind of choose an avatar to market to, but maybe it's someone else. I just talked to a guy, he's 30 years old, and he helps women in their 50s and 60s get fit. He was not his avatar, right? But he just knows who he wants to serve. So think about who you want to serve and then ask your question, what might they be struggling with? And are my skill sets aligned with getting them results? The third quadrant is where where are people spending money? So when you start to think about what you might do, like I want to help people meal plan that have um, gut issues. So if that's what you want to do, ask yourself, do people pay money for this? Are there books about it, podcasts? digital courses, um, would people invest in a coach around this topic? And if the answer is yes, that is a great sign. Now, I always stop here and say, if you look around and other people are doing what you want and you have the thought, it's already been done before and they're doing it in a really big, amazing way, I there's no room for me, it's a lie. It's a lie. Everyone starts out in an area where other people are doing it, but no one's doing it quite like you. And you need a sliver of the internet to pay attention in order to have a really profitable business. And so it doesn't matter if it's been done before, you're the only one who can do it the way you do it. The fourth quadrant is what brings you joy. Now, notice I didn't say, what is your passion? Because if we're going to wait to find our passion, we're never starting a uh, business. But what brings you joy? What are you comfortable or excited to talk about morning, noon, and night? Because you girls know we talk about this stuff a lot, whatever our business is about. So again, your knowledge and know-how, who you serve, where people are spending money, and what brings you joy. So this is like your first validation to come up with a starter idea And then you got to get started because action creates clarity and you will not know if it works until you get it out there. And if it doesn't work, no one's going to know. No one knows if someone's buying or not. You go back to the drawing board and change it up. But action creates clarity. You won't get that clarity until you put it out there.
0: Yeah, you say that a lot too, where you say no one's going to know.
2: All of us think that everybody's
0: paying attention and everybody knows. Nobody knows. Like You (laughs) might know. Your husband or spouse, your dog might know because you're crying into your coffee, but no one knows. So, like take it, take that action and then try again. I'm helping my husband right now, actually. He needs to, you know, join DCA, but and read your book. But (laughs) you know, he's a he's an actor and performer, but he can teach. So he can also teach what he knows, exactly what you said. Like, what's that sweet spot? And now, and you know, he sent out these messages on Instagram and a ton of people responded, but he didn't get anyone to actually convert. I was like, nobody knows that they didn't convert. Let's just change the offer a bit and try it again and be like, oh, you know, now I'm offering this. They have no idea if you signed people up or not.
2: No idea. And and the thing is, you are right. Sorry, my dog Scout. I can hear him in the background. Um, problems with working from home. But you are right that we think everyone's paying attention at like the hundredth degree. They're worried about their own life. They're doing their own thing. And let's pretend that you do something and it doesn't work. And they have an opinion, like, look at her. She looks like a fool. She put herself out there and it didn't work. Who cares? They're not paying the bills. So I don't really care what they think. I know it's easier said than done, but we do have to get thicker skin so we can go after our dreams and not worry about what everyone is thinking about us.
0: hundred percent. We're so, we're so in other people's minds. So, you know, do you, so we talk about the sweet spot and then a lot of times people want that plan. They want that solid thing. Like if I put in my two weeks notice, I need to have a business plan. There needs to be a certain amount of money in the bank. So what do you suggest to people that are really, really considering putting in their two weeks notice?
2: So in the book, I lay out a, a runway or a roadmap to get you to the day that you finally walk out of the door and you go do your own thing. and, and, that might be three months from now, six months, nine months, a year. I always say longer than a year, it's probably an excuse and fear that's holding you back, but you might want to take a full year. And in that time, there's certain things and milestones that you want to hit. So I want to walk through some of them. The first thing is you've got to get clear on your why. Again, why do you want this? Why do you want a side hustle or a full-time thing? Because without a compelling why, it's going to get tough and you're just going to go chase the next shiny thing and say, this wasn't for me. So really, really get clear on why do you want it? It's not enough to say, I want to make more money. Why? What is that money going to do for you? And what will it do for your family? Like we got to dig down on the why. The second thing is you've got to choose an exit date. So when I decided I wanted to leave, it was about six months of me just thinking about leaving. What might I do? I did some research. I started taking some digital courses in online marketing. Like, what might I do? But when I started to get really excited, like, I really want to make this happen, I set an exit date. And it was six months from that point when I when I actually left. But I didn't just set an exit date, I put it on a Post-it note, it was June 2009, put it on an exit note in on my mirror, and every day when I saw it, I'd ask myself, what do I need to do today to move me closer to g- hitting that goal? Do I need to make a call? Do I need to listen to a podcast, buy a book, buy a digital course? What knowledge do I need? What support do I need? So I actually actively went for it. And I gotta tell you, when I was still at my nine to five job, I had this little office with really thin walls, And uh, there was this woman online, she's actually not doing it anymore, but she was building a business online and it was exactly the business that I wanted. And she was selling digital courses. She had great social media, putting out awesome content, but this is the business I want. So I sent her an email and I said, I know you don't offer this, but can I pay you for an hour of your time to ask you questions about your business? And she said, yes. And so I got on the phone with her, but my walls were thin. So I crawled under my desk and I'm whispering like, can you tell me how you created your first offer? And, and how did you get your website created? Like I was clueless, but she shared. That's the one thing I love about women. We are very, very gracious with or um generous with our knowledge. And so she shared all the things with me. And so I paid for that time. So that was like one example of what I did to move closer to my date. So again, get your why, figure out your exit date, and share that exit date with like three people max. And the reason why I say that is. Not everybody deserves to hear your dreams, nor can they handle them. Meaning if you tell one of your coworkers, I can promise you, someone's going to tell you why you shouldn't do this. What? You, You can't leave a nine to five job where you're getting a regular paycheck. There's a recession coming. That is insane. Here's all the reasons you shouldn't do it. As you're looking at someone who would never leave their job, you have to consider the source. And so I only told my husband, my mom, and my best friend because they all could hold that space for me. No one else got to know my plan for the next six months. Hold your dreams close, but share it with a few people that will hold you accountable. Because when I started to get very nervous about that date coming up close, my husband would be like, No, 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 we're doing this. This was your goal. It's on your mirror. Let's go. So you need those people in your life. The other thing I did is I had to take a really honest look at my finances and look at where we were. And I sat down with my husband and said, Okay how much money do I actually need to make to support our family? Because he had a little money coming in. He was going through a transition at the time, so it wasn't a lot. And so we got honest with how much I really needed to make. And we found out it wasn't actually as much as I was making in my nine to five. If we cut back, if we sacrificed, if we didn't go on vacations just the first year and we got scrappy, I could make a little less so that I didn't have all that pressure on myself. My friend said he didn't set an exit date. He said a dollar amount. He wanted nine months of living expenses before he left his nine to five job. I thought that was really cool as well. And he got to it in like eight months. He figured out how to get to that number and he was out. So you just kind of have to figure out what works for you, but stick to your word. And then the final thing I'll say about that is maybe it is a side hustle before you go for a full-time thing because I had a little side hustle. I was doing social media on the side for some small businesses just to start thinking like an entrepreneur and, and getting the courage to put myself out there, which is terrifying. So that was part of my runway as well. I love that. Um, I think that it is
1: really hard. You start to get that money anxiety, like you reference it to, and just unsure of where it can go. But then you actually have a plan to move ahead. Can you give us a few tips on starting a side hustle while you're at the full time job? Because a lot of our product bosses do do that, um, but they don't want their bosses to know. So could you give us some tips in that sort of direction? Yes.
2: So that gets a little bit tricky because when you start a side hustle, you need to get customers. And if you don't feel comfortable posting online about it because you don't want your employer to see it, you've got to get a little bit creative with that. And I talk about this in my book because it does come up a lot. So there's a few things. One, you can create a company brand versus a personal brand where it's a logo, it's a company name, and it's not your face plastered everywhere. And maybe when you go out on your own full time, you'll want to change that, but at least it's a way to start getting your feelers out there. Another thing, you could start an anonymous blog with a company name as well. So you're putting out really good content because content attracts an audience, but they don't necessarily need to know it's you. And also reach out to your family and friends. So I wanted to do social media for small businesses. So I sent emails to my friends and family and said, here's what I'm doing. I could take three clients right now. This is how much it costs. Do you know anyone who would be a good fit? So I started with my network so I didn't have to publicly go out there. And then the final thing is get clear if you're allowed to or not, because if you're just scared because you think they're going to fire you if you're doing your own thing, that's probably overthinking it. That likely is not going to happen. And if they brought you in the office and said, what are you doing here? You could just say, oh, it's just a way to earn a little extra money. If there's a problem, let's talk about it. I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Um, But a lot of times we think people are going to care in our business or our jobs and they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They also love, let's say for our product bosses, they love that they could buy from you for Christmas gifts now or client gifts, right? There you go.
2: (laughs) You're useful.
1: Organizing and growing your business can be difficult, especially when you're wearing all the hats and doing all the things. Absolutely.
0: As much as I love hats, I don't love wearing all of them. So one of the most difficult things about having a product-based business is finding time to make sure your business is organized while still growing. But don't
1: worry, because we have a recommendation that will make it easier for you to accomplish both. Yeah. If you want to organize your business, you need a CRM. If you actually want to grow your business, you need HubSpot CRM. With HubSpot,
0: your sales, marketing, customer service, and ops teams will have access to all the same dynamically updated data. So they won't get their wires crossed on where a customer is in their journey
1: or how to convert them. Plus, HubSpot CRM is easy to buy and easy to use. So you don't have to waste valuable time with a learning curve or managing software, and you start seeing value right away. Learn more about how HubSpot can
0: help you grow better at hubspot.com. content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayearofcontent.com. And I do, and I do want to just say that again because I come from the fashion world and products. And the guy who invented the Bratz doll was designing the Bratz doll while he was working for Mattel. So that was an issue hey. because, yeah, that was a big like lawsuit that ended up happening because it was com- you were in a com- um, competitive space. Did so he exactly, lose? um, yes. Oh, poor God. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but that's like a non-compete, and that so anyone in that space that like if there's a, a competitiveness, but otherwise. So many people have side hustles now and they're doing other things. And I love those tips. I think another thing that you're so good at is managing your time, being really protective of your time. I know it comes with the privilege of where you are in your career. But for those people that are starting this side hustle, that are trying to transition to giving their two weeks notice, how would you recommend they organize their time so that they can put in the time to start the business, to get it going, and then have that confidence to eventually leave?
2: Yeah, So you're right. Now that I'm 14 years in and make a good living, it's easy for me to have boundaries. But when I was still in my nine to five job starting the side hustle, th- th- I didn't get to set my own boundaries with everything. I had a nine to five job. I was on someone else's time and someone else's dime. And so it gets a little bit trickier there. What I want people to do when they're still in their nine to five job thinking about a side hustle is first take a minute to journal what kind of life you would love to create. Let's say one day you leave your nine to five job What would you want your mornings to look like? How do you want to work throughout the day? What hours do you want to work? What do you want to be doing? How do you want to spend your evenings and your weekends? Who do you want to spend it with? It's important to first envision the lifestyle you want and then build a side hustle to fit the lifestyle. Where I went wrong is I started a side hustle in a business and then realized, wait, I don't have a life and I've got to cram it into this. And then I really struggled with boundaries and having time where I wasn't working. I became the ultimate hustler and worked my life away in the first few years, which I do not think is necessary. So I messed it up. So in the book, I talk about non-negotiables, where finally, when I came up for mayor and my husband said, like, I never see you. You have literally become obsessed with this business. Something has to change. I got nervous because my marriage is everything to me. And I thought, okay, let's reevaluate here. And I set some non-negotiables. I'm not working every weekend, maybe one weekend a month because I had to hustle still, or I'm not working um, nights, or I'm taking um, date night once a week, or I'm gonna take that vacation once a quarter, even if it's a staycation because I couldn't afford a lot. So I started to put some non-negotiables in to reflect the kind of life that I actually wanted. And then I had to kind of build the business into that Whereas if you are just starting, you have such an advantage. Envision the life that you want, and then we're going to fit your side hustle into that. And it really does allow you to know where are my priorities, where are my boundaries, what's a yes, what's a no. It becomes much more clear.
0: Sounds like a dream.
2: Right? I wish I did it.
0: Yes. It's true. I mean, we work ourselves into, we always say like, you're literally the worst boss. You know, like we yeah. now work for the worst boss.
2: <laughs> yeah. My husband sometimes tells me, go look in the mirror and talk to your boss about what you're complaining about right now because you did this to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just shut it.
0: So thank you for writing that because I think that is something where we can, that journaling is so impactful. And then the idea of then thinking about what life we want to create because we sit there working for other people dreaming of this other life. And then we work our ways out of it. So I think that is so essential to just that first kind of like thinking of what's possible.
1: Yes, Yeah, but we get lost in it, right? Because it's like you're living it and the hustle is so easy to get lost in. Um, You say this term in the book, it's called unbossing. Can you Mm -hmm. explain a little bit about that? Yes,
2: And, and this is the perfect audience of women doing awesome things that I think many of them can relate to this. So this concept of unbossing is getting to a point that you firmly and wholeheartedly believe that you can lead yourself and you do not need anyone else to guide or lead you. And the reason I wrote about this is because it was my biggest struggle as a new entrepreneur. So I often say that, you know, I grew up with a really strict dad his way or the highway. He was my ultimate first boss. Then I get into the work world and I have tons of bosses, usually male. And I started looking for external validation. Did I do that right? Do I get a raise? Do you like what I did? Are you proud of me? I did it with my dad. And then I did it with these bosses. I know there's therapy involved in all of this, but (laughs) it was very, very real for me. Then I get out on my own and I'm looking around like, Who's going to tell me I'm doing a good job? Who's going to guide me? Who's going to give me instruction? And then I'll go do it even better than you expect because I like to impress, but I don't even know where to start. So I realized, oh, it's going to take a while to unboss myself, uh, understand what my values are, what my intention is for how I want to run this business, what I stand for, what's okay with me, what's not okay with me, like making decisions on my own and trusting that if I don't do this right, I can come back and recorrect and I needed to see that I was resilient. So the journey of Unbossing is gonna take most of us a while to really step out of it, but let me give you an example how it showed up right away on my own. I did social media for small businesses, meaning I had clients, And I would get on calls with them in my first, second year. They would tell me everything they wanted to get done. Yes, you got it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'd get off the phone. I had like 20 action items for each client. They loved me because I had zero boundaries. I let them uh, treat me like an employee, not as I'm a business owner and I will help you, but I will not do all these unexpected things for you at wild expectations they had. So it showed up there, then I had to course correct. And then long story short, that I write in the book and I won't give it all away, but I got into a partnership. About four years into my business, when I had hit a million dollars in my business, I got into a partnership and let someone have 50-50 of this business that I had created from scratch, like my baby. And I did it because he was a guy that was really smart, super strategic, and he said he could help me. He saw potential in me, and I, I liked that. And so I gave him 50-50 of my business. We had an amazing run for years. We did incredibly well. He was so very smart. And I woke up one morning and I thought, I don't even know who I am. I'm like a shell of a person. I literally am this guy's employee. Like that's exactly how it felt like. All my fault, but that's how it felt. And so in the book, I talk about the year that I got out of my partnership where I literally thought I would lose the business. I wrote the story. I did not want to tell anyone because it was important for other women to hear. This is what happens when you don't unboss yourself. This is what happens when you don't believe that you could do this on your own. But that was my ultimate lesson in unbossing when I almost lost like a $5 million business. Amazing! Thank you for sharing
0: that. I, you know, I have a similar, similar kind of background with strict dad and all the things, and I realize, and I also take on like a parenting role in my family, and so I actually look for the adult in the room all the time. I'm constantly looking for the adult to tell me what to do instead of realizing I am an adult. I'm in my 40s. Yes, (laughs) I built a multi million dollar brand and business. Like I am the answer. So it's that outside looking. So I love your version of it with the embossing
2: of yourself. I love that you just said I am the answer. That yes. That's a great motto. We should put that on a Post-it note. <laughs> I am the answer. That's sexy. I like it. I'm going to use that, okay? Perfect. I think, and that's the thing, right? We look
0: outside of ourselves and this is also years of therapy over here. So, you know, it's not something we get to overnight, exactly what you're, you're teaching here and what you've done. We don't get there overnight, but I do think it's listening to podcasts like this, reading books, being in community with other people that believe this to be true because it allows for you to think bigger And then if you can do that self-reflection, because we know that our mindset is the number one thing that gets in the way of us growing our businesses, making more money, all the things.
1: And how you wrote the book too, because you structured it in that way, right? The mindset, the strategy, and then the work, because it actually takes the work. I mean, therapy is work in itself. Let me tell you, (laughs) right? Um, And so can you talk a little bit about that? Like, How did you know that you wanted to talk about those mindset pieces, you know,
2: oh, of, yeah.
1: you know, and then the strategy that comes to that, and then the work, um,
2: I really, okay. So I struggled for so long in my business with my mindset. And, you know, when I work for Tony, he used to say 80% of entrepreneurship is what you think and how you manage your mind. And 20% is the mechanics. And in my business, I teach the mechanics, funnels, emails, webinars, courses. I teach it all. And I think it's great that uh, I'm giving people the knowledge, but at the end of the day, they will do nothing with it if they don't believe that they are capable of building a thriving business. So, uh, about four or five years ago, I started to talk about the mindset that is required to be an entrepreneur. And I just took it from all my struggles. This is what I struggled with. This is what I did to overcome it. This is what I do now when it comes up again, because it never really goes away. So I just realized that everything I was teaching was worthless if I didn't also show up for the mindset chats. And I have thousands and thousands of people in my community. And every time I get a live Q&A, like I just came off one an hour ago, every single time, how do you overcome imposter syndrome? What if I feel like I can't do this? I'm so afraid of failure. I I self-sabotage every time I have success every single time it comes up, no matter what I'm teaching. And so because I know that I thought this book has to start with that. So there's like a a third of the book is mindset, finding the courage, getting your head on straight, working through a lot of boss traps and unbossing yourself and finding the confidence. And then the majority of the book is step-by-step how to actually build a business in a strong foundation from scratch when you really don't know what the heck you're doing. And so I did it purposely on that because I couldn't start with strategy. I couldn't start with the tactics. I love yep. that.
0: A hundred percent. So, but going back to, you know, strategies and and the anxiety and stuff. So I come from a lot of you know money money scarcity and anxiety around that. And that's really a lot of the time where I drive from. Mina sometimes is, is more about the time, like how much time it's going to take. So what are your strategies in dealing with that sort of money anxiety? Because I know when I took the leap from leaving my full-time job, working for a celebrity, having, you know, being a fashion designer, being able to make all the decisions and then saying, oh, I'm going to start a consulting business over here, which I took my expertise. I did what you're teaching, um, but I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. Or my rent or what I was going to do. And um, so what are your strategies with that?
2: First of all, I always tell my students, this is so normal. Being scared that you won't pay the bills. We can't discount that and be like, do it anyway. You got this girl. Like, I hate that advice. And so first of all, I always normalize it. I absolutely was like that as well. I've had money scarcity. I've had to really work on that. So you and I are so similar. There's, we have a lot of similarities I'm, I'm noticing. So absolutely it's real. However, I was on the, uh, on a call with a uh, money expert as well. And he said, you know, there's currency in your time. There's currency in your happiness. And it's not just the dollar that you have to focus on. You have to look at these other currencies. And he said that so well because I thought, First of all, it's not just about the money. And if you start a business just to make a bunch of money, I promise you, you will not feel fulfilled. So we've got to kind of get our priorities straight, where what if in the first year, you barely made enough to cover the salary you were in your nine-to-five job? Would you be willing to do that? I call it, what is your capacity for zero? Meaning starting over, not being the big shot like you might be in your nine to five job, not having social media followers or email followers or anything like that. What is your capacity for zero? The capacity to start over from scratch. Will your ego get bruised? Yes. Will it feel really awkward? Yes. But would you be willing to do it? The people with a higher capacity for zero to say, bring it on, I'll, I'll come back even. I'm gonna burn this down and bring it back better. They are the people that are thriving in their businesses. And so that's kind of one thing you have to look at And then you have to look at your finances. Just like I said, I sat down with my husband and said, let's be really honest about what this looks like and what kind of money I need to make. And then I uh, reverse engineered the whole thing to say, okay, if I take three clients and do this and do that, nothing's guaranteed, but at least I have a somewhat of a plan, not a full-fledged business plan. Do not create a full-fledged business plan. No one needs that. However, just a plan of kind of action of how might this all shake out. And when it doesn't work, because at times it won't, my first launch was $267 when I thought I'd make $100,000. So absolutely, there will be times it doesn't work out. Are you willing to course correct? The faster you course correct, okay, this didn't work, let's try that you will continue to stay in the game. So money anxiety is real, but let's get real about the numbers so that we can take action with them. I think the challenge is most of us don't want to look or we're too scared to make any decisions around it because that means then we have to actually know how much money we're making and how much we need.
1: Yeah, agreed. And um, and that we might actually have to cut back.
2: <laughs> That's another <Yes>. scary thing. <laughs> That's totally scary. It's not fun. A whole year, no vacations, no doing the big home projects that you want to do, telling your friends, I'm not going out to dinner this weekend because I'm, I'm eating in. That's not fun. But also what's not fun is being in a job that you feel underpaid and underappreciated and you just want to scream every day, every time you walk in. So we got to look at what matters most.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you used the the phrase boss traps a little yeah. bit um, earlier. Could you explain what that is? And not, we're not talking product boss traps, everybody. We're just, This is no. boss traps.
2: <laughs> yes. Boss traps is closely related to this idea of unbossing. So until you really unboss yourself, you will get stuck in some boss traps. One example was me actually letting my clients literally boss me around, tell me what to do all hours of the day. Another boss trap is self-sabotage. So here you are being the boss, you get out there, you start making things happen, and you have a little success. And then all of a sudden you think, wait a second, the other shoe is gonna drop. This is literally my life. Uh, This can't, this has to be luck. This can't continue. So you start to self-sabotage thinking you don't deserve it or you're not worthy of it. And you literally make moves and decisions to have it come crashing down. Like I have absolutely done this before. I remember many of my first launches, I would tell my husband like, this isn't gonna last. So don't spend this money. That's my money, don't spend this. It's not gonna last. It was kind of a fluke. Uh, I don't think I can repeat it. I was constantly looking for it not to work. So self-sabotage, absolutely. And one more boss trap is um, superwoman syndrome, where as you get going, maybe you're like six months, a year in, and you're wearing this badge of honor that you're doing it all alone. I hear it from my students all the time. Uh, I do everything. I do the web design and the, the content creation and the email list building webinar. I do everything. And I look at them and say, there is no badge of honor in that because you will burn out and you will never scale your business if you do everything for too long. Of course, the first year you're navigating and don't have money to hire someone. But my first hire was a five hour a week assistant, a virtual assistant named Rebecca. The reason I found her is because she likes to email me and tell me all the typos in my blog posts, which is so annoying, right? I Love those. Right? But she was so good at it. And I liked her personality. She's kind of funny with it. And she was leaving her executive assistant job. And I said, lease come work for me in the beginning. And she helped me immensely. But it was just five hours a week because I didn't know how to manage people or what that would look like. So you got to ease into that. But do not do it all alone for too long.
0: So agreed. I think that is one of the... so. It's a little bit off topic from the book, but it goes to bossing, being a boss and then hiring. Because a lot of times people are so scared that they can do it by themselves. Like, can I do this by yes. myself? Then they're like, there's absolutely no way I can scale this. I can't get to my first $100,000, especially with product-based businesses. They cannot physically make any more products, yep. but they're so scared about hiring. So just a little bit of mindset around the hiring component yes. of it. What would you say to people? Because you went and you went from you know having a boss to being a boss. Mm-hmm hiring someone for five hours a week. So what would you say to people for about, about that?
2: So the first thing I'd say is I think it's really scary to hire someone because one, the money. So again, just like we were talking about, get clear on what you're making, where the money's coming from and how you could reinvest. Reinvesting into a virtual assistant is a really smart strategic move in an online business. So you want to figure out how you do that. Play around with the money. The second, and remember, when you have a virtual assistant, it's easier to make money. So they can contribute to you actually making more money because it's freeing you up to be in your zone of genius and do the great things you do. But also with this hiring idea, I think one of the fears that people hire is they'll say to me, I don't even know what I would give them. I don't even know what they would do. And I need help. I'm buried, but like, I don't have time to show them what to do. And I don't even know what to have them do. And typically what I say is, well, you're going to have to at least take an educated guess. So what you do is you sit down with a Google Doc, and first of all, you write down all the things you do not want to do anymore. Like, I would love to get this off my plate. So we start there. That's the fun part. And then start thinking about areas of the business that are neglected or where you're struggling and what somebody else could do. And you look over that list and you think, could I create a position that at least hits some of these to alleviate myself? because I think the first really great hire is an executive assistant or virtual assistant, but the second great hire is a project manager. I think hiring a project manager is one of the best things you could do. You could do it part-time, you could do it as a contractor, we're not talking full-time, huge salary or anything like that, but these are things that, when you hire, this is another great piece of advice my friend Stu McLaren gave me, when you hire, you need to make sure that they're going to get you more sales or more leads. So how can this person get me more leads to grow my email list or more sales to, to hit the revenue? And if and and this is beyond the, the virtual assistant. Any hire you make beyond that, if they're not doing those, especially with a small early business, they're probably not the right fit because you need leads and you need sales.
0: And that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean hiring someone to post on social. I'll just
1: <laughs> let everybody know that. Yeah, so true. You
0: know, unless they know what they're doing, or they're pulling in the right people, or they're searching for it, because I think that's so many times people are like, if only someone could do social media for me, and that's not that's not necessarily the strategy.
1: Yes, agree. Yeah, um, one of the things that you're kind of known for, I always associate you with, you with it too, and we love bringing it into our community too is post-it notes because mm-hmm. it's a physical, you know, product in a way of we get to see our thoughts on a wall. Can you talk a little bit about your post-it party and um, how you talk about that in the book about what that can do for their business?
2: Yes. So I use post-its in so many different things that I teach. And, and one of the one of the ways I use it is, let's say, coming up with an offer that you might want to put out there. In the book, I talk about it in a few different ways. But the reason why a posted, and I call it a posted note party, works really well is there is science behind getting something out of your head and writing it down so that not only you see it, but you're active in the participation of figuring out what is going to happen with this thought versus it just float everywhere in your head. So let's say you're coming up with a new idea and you want to see, how might I put together this product? How might I price it? Uh, How would I market it? What is the messaging behind it? Um, And how might it, uh, who is it for? All of that. So you do this big brainstorming session. First, let's focus on how might you talk about this. So you write down all your ideas and you're putting them on a on a wall in front of you. And then, okay, so uh, why, what do you wanna price it and why are you pricing it that way? You write all your ideas and you put them on a wall. And so when you do this with all the different things around this offer, now all your ideas are up here. You can move them around, you can throw one away, add a new one, but the act of it being very active and engaging in that, you stay more focused. It's one thing to type it all up in a Google Doc, but mm-hmm. when you're in it like that, and you get some music going and you move your body, there's magic in that, uh, that energy with it. And so the ideas start to come to you and flow more, and it's very intentional. So I like physical manifestations of the ideas and the thoughts that we have. I think it makes a huge difference.
1: It does. I mean, physiologically, when you write things down, it reinforces what's going to happen. So even if you keep a digital calendar, for example, if you write down your calendar, it reinforces what's coming up for you. So I do. love that. Yeah. yeah, uh, I love that you do the post-it parties because I think for everybody who is starting out their business, even if it's an exit strategy or like um, what Amy was saying, you know, what you need to make per month, doing these strategies of putting them on Post-its or even your ideas on the Post-its can be really great. So you can take something away from, um, take something away from from all of this ab- amazing advice that you're giving with us. Um, and I think that if we wanted to wrap up with this last question, Jacqueline, or did you have another yeah. question? Okay. I think,
0: and this is something that, you know, is so exciting to ask you, but if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice. Yeah, that was what I was going to end yeah. with. <laughs> What would it be, and why? Right, because and Mina and I have followed you for years, and our business is very much built on being student of yours, and and you know the mindset around everything you teach and all the things. So you know this; we've told you. Um, but for other people that aren't as familiar with knowing you and and how you built your business, but if you go back in time and give yourself that advice, what would it be, and why?
2: So there's probably a, a hundred pieces of advice I'd love to give that girl who had no clue what she was doing. But one of the things was that I wish I was kinder to myself in the beginning. I really was a perfectionist. I expected things to work. In my nine-to-five job, I felt like kind of a big shot. I did some cool things. So when I went into entrepreneurship, I should be doing some cool things. People should love me. They should think I'm great and buy from me. And that did not happen in the beginning. And I thought there was something wrong with me. And I kept telling myself, you're not cut out to do this. I wish I was kinder to myself and said, this is how it goes. You gotta figure this out. Make your mistakes, stumble, fall, get back up. This is entrepreneurship. But no one told me that, so I didn't realize it felt a little messy in the beginning. Even with my guidebook, even with two weeks notice, I'll tell you exactly what to do. You're still gonna have some missteps and um, mess ups along the way. You're human. And so I just wish I talked to myself better. I wish I allowed myself to make the mistakes without meaning them mean something. And I wish I just would would have known, this is the last thing, I wish I would have known, everything you're doing in the beginning is not set in stone. The business you're creating right out of the gate is a starter business. I promise you, because action creates clarity, you will find a new direction when you get feedback from others and you ask yourself, do I like this? Do I wanna do this? Do I wanna change it? I bet the businesses you have today looks very different than like the first year of entrepreneurship, right? Mm, That is very normal. So don't think every decision you make is set in stone, which means make decisions faster. Know that you can always change them.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Even that first year, uh, the reason why I want to end it with that question was because usually we say, uh, entrepreneur years are like dog years in your case, scout years, let's just say. (laughs) Um, and so that first year you learn like seven years worth of knowledge. And I love that you gave the advice of being kinder to yourself because you get hit the hardest, I feel like, in that first year. Yes. And it's like, can anything else go wrong? Uh, and, <laughs> and a lot so. can. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I think that's it too, right? Like, and being part of these communities, knowing things go wrong, giving yourself the grace that it can go wrong. It's better done than perfect, which is something that we tell a lot of people. And I think, you know, the thing is we have these really big expectations for ourselves, but each and every one of you out there listening, we already tell you like you're courageous, you're scrappy and creative, like you've already done something that most people haven't done in the world, which is start their own business or side hustle, you know, especially as women in this world, creating businesses and generating income and supporting our families and hiring people. This is all more or less newer. And we're all sort of paving this path. So you've already done such an amazing job at what you've started and even that first step of listening to podcasts, reading a book buying two weeks notice. Um, that's that first step.
1: Yeah. action.
0: So Amy, we're so excited. The book releases on February 21st. Where can our listeners buy
2: the book? So anywhere where you buy books, please do go grab your copy. Um, depending on when you listen to this, if it's a pre-order, authors greatly appreciate it because it tells the retailers that this book is important and they stock it more. Or if you're getting it right when the book comes out, I've got bonuses either way. So twoweeksnoticebook.com. If you go get your book and then go to twoweeksnoticebook.com, you can enter your order number and get some really good business building bonuses. So don't wait, go grab it.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, ladies.